Hi, I'm Pastor James, and I want to welcome you to the weekend teaching ministry of Sunrise Church in Hillsborough, Oregon. Sunrise is a church devoted to being a safe place to hear a life-changing message. Our vision is to lead people in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And so each weekend, we share a message of hope from God's Word, the Bible. Now, if you'd like to know more about discovering and growing in a relationship with the God who loves you, please visit our website at www.isunrise.com, I-S-O-N-R-I-S-E.com. Now, from there, you can learn how to connect with the God who loves you, grow along the journey of life with others, develop a heart to serve the least, the last, and the lost, and then learn how to lead other people to know Jesus Christ. Now, on to our weekend message. A number of years ago, I was at a, a friend's house back east in the south, actually, and I was up early and I didn't want to disturb him and I was upstairs, so I was coming down to have some breakfast and read my Bible and pray. And it was just a quiet time in the house. It was also a dark time in the house. There weren't any lights around. So I was feeling my way around and I was coming down the steps. And as I came down his staircase, I slipped. You ever have one of those moments where you fall? And, uh, and I slipped and, and I instinctively tried to brace myself. And I reached back with my hand and I jammed my wrist. What ended up happening was I sprained my wrist. It, it hurt. And when I got back, I, you know, I had to go to the doctor and I got a brace and the whole deal. And it, it was a super inconvenience, right? Because, you know, you're, you're immobilized to some degree and you're trying to type on a keyboard and it's kind of weird. But I hurt myself uh, from a fall. About a month ago, maybe a little more than that, I had another kind of fall down a staircase moment, but it was an emotional staircase. Uh, my family and I, we were, in, we were in a great spot. We were actually at the beach. Somebody had given us uh, a week at uh, a timeshare in Depot Bay, and I used it as a study week. I was writing and doing a lot of reading and preparing in advance for messages, getting a lot done in that sense. Uh, my boys were there where they were working online, doing school. My wife was there. And it was, it was a perfect environment. I mean, it was just the Oregon coast. It was gorgeous, beautiful weather. And I had gotten up that morning, and I had had my time with God. I was reading my Bible. In my Bible reading, uh, it takes me from the beginning to the end of the Bible in a year. And every seventh day is a Sabbath, and they throw in a psalm. And I had been at the Sabbath, and I was in a psalm, in a specific psalm. And it was beautiful. And it reached my heart and that translation paraphrase really gripped me. And I, I, I put the whole thing together. I threw it on Facebook and it was just like I was texting some friends this, you know, it was just a good moment. I had my prayer time, had my coffee, most importantly. And, you know, I'm having that thing. And, and uh, it was great. Morning went on, progressed. Things were going well. And just before lunch, um, you know, no, no fault of my wife's, but she started asking about something and, you know, from a, a, a human perspective, uh, I started to spiral down inside. I felt judged. I felt condemned. And it was just one of those emotional times where I started to spiral down. I, I know you've had those and uh, we, we have them. And, and, and it was difficult for me because everything within me had been this great joy. I mean, I was in this moment of sheer delight that morning. Everything was great. The psalm was perfect. The prayer, everything was good. And then I was just dropping down into despair, into despondency and discouragement. And in a time of 30 minutes, I went from the high to the low of depression. And I was kind of spinning out of control emotionally. 
And uh, it was it was one of those moments. I'm sure you've had them, right? Everything's going well. Let's say you're in school, you're finishing school, and you know, even though there are snow days in Oregon, you're you will get to the end of school, and uh, you're looking ahead to that, and you've got everything done, or so you think. And your teacher says, "Hey, by the way, there's two more reports that are due," and it's like spiral out of control, right? You thought you did a good thing, and you got the test done, and you didn't get the test done the way you you know were supposed to, and you, you got to retake it or. Or you're at work and you think everything's going well and it's been a good week, you've made progress, you think you're going to get a good review and you sit there and you get a bad review. You're like, it, everything just spins out of control. Friendship, something's going wrong and all of a sudden someone you're close to now you feel like you're at odds with or in your marriage or something in your family. We have those moments where we can go from this incredible high to this deep low. And this just dropping despair. And I had that. And I know you've had it. And we have those. Now, uh, I want to tell you two things helped me in that moment. First of all, God was faithful to bring his words back to my heart. Uh, because I had loved that psalm so much, I had you know, kind of already started memorizing certain little phrases in there. Re- reciting to myself, kind of meditating on them. And they started to come back to me. And God was good to remind me of the truth. And it was funny because in several very distinct moments uh, of my despair, those words came back to me. Literally, I, I walked into the bedroom and, uh, you know, I just want to take a nap. I'm like, well, I'll just sleep this one off, right? And uh, the Bible was open to that. I'm like... Thanks, God. It's right there. I started reading it. Uh, I was trading some emails back and forth on something, and it was a difficult issue at the church. And, and all of a sudden, I go to my notes to grab something, and the text I had copied from my phone into it, it just shows up. I'm like, okay, I'm going to read that again. I'm going to read the scripture to myself. So the first thing was God brought it back to me. Second thing was a dear friend. He sent me a text, and uh, he just asked, how's it going? And I'm like, thanks, God. You know, that was uh, just one of those moments where I needed it. So by that time, I was out to lunch with my family. Internally, I was checking out, you know, I was shutting down. And um, I decided not to lie. You know, I decided to be truthful. Like, everything's fine. You know, no. And so I'm not doing well. And back and forth, he and I went. Thanks, Gunner, for doing that for me. And he, that, the scripture, you know, uh, God and Gunner uh, got me out of it. And, uh, and, and it was more God than you. So don't pat yourself on the back. Um, but it was awesome that I knew I had a friend and I knew I had a God and I knew, uh, that people cared. And and so it, it took a while, but I got out of it. Okay. How many of you can relate to what I'm talking about? Okay. All right. The rest of you, you should tap into your feelings one day. Okay. All right. Um, maybe other people are going, yeah, you're doing that. You don't even know it. Okay. Uh, denial. All right. That's reality of life. We go from highs to lows. That's how it is for us. I'm so thankful for the scripture, for God's word, because it doesn't paint a picture of just this rosy, uh, life is going to be great. They're not gonna have any problems when you come to God. It's not this sugar-coated candy kind of just smile and tell everybody everything's okay. Jesus loves you. It's the reality of we still go through aches and pains and hurts in life. We go through disappointment. And especially when you get to the Psalms, they speak the language of the heart. Uh, Sometimes and oftentimes you go through those words and there's a lot of joy. And sometimes you dig through the words and there's a lot of despair and a lot of despondency. And you hear people crying out these words. You know, why have you forsaken me, God? Uh, You know, the water's up to my neck. I'm drowning in this. I'm trying, my feet are trying to find a foothold. And every time I feel like there's something solid, I just slip and I'm going down and the waves are crashing over me. And I feel like everybody's abandoned me and God, I feel like you've deserted me. And it seems like I have enemies all around me. Those are the beautiful words of the Psalms and they speak the beauty and the tragedy of life and the challenges of life. 
And I want to read to you the psalm that I read that morning that had encouraged me and then had come back to actually lift me out of the pit. And so I don't have it on the screen. I don't want it to be something you think. I want it to be something you feel. So let's close our eyes. And as you close your eyes, I'm just going to share a little bit of God's words that brought me out. I will praise the Lord no matter what happens. I will constantly speak of his glories and grace. For I cried to him and he answered me. He freed me from all my fears. This poor man cried to the Lord and the Lord heard him and saved him out of his troubles. For the angel, the Lord guards and rescues all who reverence him. Oh, put God to the test and see how kind he is. See for yourself the way his mercies shower down on all who trust in him. If you belong to the Lord, reverence him for everyone who does this has everything he needs for the eyes of the Lord are intently watching all who live good lives and he gives attention when they cry to him. The Lord is close to those whose hearts are breaking. He rescues those who are humbly sorry for their sins. Calamity will surely overtake the wicked. Heavy penalties are meted out to those who hate the good. But as for those who serve the Lord, he will redeem them for everyone who takes refuge in him will be freely pardoned. You can go ahead and look up now. I don't know if you felt those words, but those were powerful words to me when everything was going fine. And I thought the day was going to be awesome. And then when it crashed down and emotionally, I went into a spiral and I fell down the emotional staircase. Uh, The Psalms are, are just good for life. I I read them. I have this regular rotation of reading them throughout the month. And the Psalms speak what sometimes it's difficult to put into words. Uh, The range of emotions are beautiful in the Psalms. In fact, this week I read this one. This is great. Uh, Psalm 6. I am upset and disturbed. My mind is filled with apprehension and with gloom. That's uh, every mom's psalm right there, right? It's like, yeah. Um, I, I, I felt that this week at one point. Oh, restore me soon. Come, O Lord, and make me well in your kindness. Save me. You know what? We don't dare say those things. We've created a Christianity where we don't speak the honest truth of our heart. And we just kind of pat ourselves in the back and pat each other in the back. And how you doing? Doing fine. Right? I mean, seriously, if you were to talk to someone before the service, not afterwards, because now people are going to either have to lie or, or, you know, not say anything, you know, but they dare you to be honest, right? You go up, hey, how you doing? Man, life's dangerous. It's difficult. I'm I like this, this, and this, and this. Oh, good. Glad, glad for you. I'm going to walk away quickly from you because I don't know what to say, right? We don't know how to live in community speaking honesty. We don't know how to have friendships where we have lifelines, where we pour out our soul to each other. Now, I know some of us do. I get that. But our whole culture is about a superficial life that we pretend to live. And if we dare to have friends and dare to have a small group and dare to have a community, especially rooted in faith, where we can say to someone, uh, it's all falling apart right now. No one's going to, you know, worry if we lost our faith in God. No, because my friends, it's in those moments where we find our faith in God. It, we, we run from the wilderness and the desert times and we don't like that. But it's in those moments where we truly discover that God is real and he's there and he's, he's all we have. One of the metaphors of the Bible, particularly the Psalms, is this idea of being in the wilderness. 
uh, living in the wilderness. Now, when we think of that, uh, well, we have a lot of thoughts that come to mind. In fact, I just typed in the wilderness in Google, and this is what uh, the wilderness, according to Google, is like. And I want to be there, right? I mean, that's awesome. This is the Northwest. This is where we live. I, I want to be running through those leaves. Absolutely. I want to be on a trail, Wildwood Trail. Um, I want to be walking along this little lake here, seeing the beauty of those mountains. I want to be chased by those bison. Um, I want to be fishing. At this stream, I want this wilderness, right? That just seems like that'd be so refreshing. Unfortunately, when we read the word wilderness in the Bible, we think of something that is not what the Bible writers thought about. They didn't experience it that way. Let me show you the wilderness according to the Bible. This is the wilderness of Moses. Yeah, no wonder they complained. No wonder they were thirsty, right? No wonder they were crying out for quail. See, this is where Moses took the people of Israel and they wandered for 40 years. This is called the wilderness of Zin. Uh, some translations say wilderness of sin, not as in it's because they sin. But this is this area that is toward uh, Egypt and between that and Israel in the south. It's desolate, my friends. It's desolate. Very little rainfall, very little water, very little vegetation, very little life. And yet that's where Moses led the people by God's hand. Through this wilderness. Uh, This is the wilderness of David. When David fled from Saul, when he took his uh, band, his mighty band of little heroes, they went out, misfits actually, and they conquered cities and they took their families, their wives and their kids out there and they encamped, you know, out there in the desert, in the wilderness. This is, this is where they would have been. This is south of Jerusalem. This is out in the Judean wilderness. And this is where David hung out. And this is not where I want to hang out, right? I mean, yeah, I'll go there and drive there, but I don't want to live there, right? I want green grass growing. I want some serious trees. This is the wilderness of David. This is the wilderness of Jesus. Now, this is the wilderness that is as you leave Jerusalem and head down to Jericho and descend that steep ravine, really, down to the bottom of the world, to the Rift Valley, down to the Dead Sea. This is where Jesus spent 40 days and 40 nights as he was led by the spirit of God to go here to be tempted by the devil. That's not a beautiful place. I mean, it's got some pretty, right? I mean, it'd be nice to paint, but you don't want to live there. You don't want to even travel through there. But God will take us through the wilderness for specific reasons. And one of the biggest reasons is is so we come to the end of ourselves. Because when we come to the end of ourselves, it's when we can truly learn to discover that God is there and that God is found in the wilderness. I mean, we like to find him in in churches. We like to find him in worship and in music and things like that. And we can, but there's a element of the presence of God. You can only discover when you feel like God has abandoned you. When you feel like God has left you and deserted you. When you cry out to God and you don't hear his voice. That's not something we like to proclaim. That's not something we like to talk about. We don't put that on a billboard and say, look at this. This is awesome. But those who've walked through the desert, those who've journeyed through the wilderness experience, those are people who know what it's like to truly see God show up. And as we get into our psalm today, we're going to see a wilderness psalm, a desert psalm. We're going to see a writer go from highs to lows and back and forth and back and forth again. And I hope that you're going to see some honesty in your own heart. I mean, I'll I'll be honest. You don't even have to be a follower of God to experience this, right? 
But when you are a follower of God, you experience God in the desert and God in the wilderness. And you find that he is there. So Psalm 42 and 43 is what we're going to see today. And uh, Bible writers believe that, uh, Bible commentators, I should say, believe that the Bible writers had it as one Psalm. 42 and 43 was one. It was a song of lament. It was a psalm of despair and discouragement. It was a psalm of crying out to God. You know, a lot of the psalms are about praising God and, you know, God's everything. And then a lot of them are, God's not even here anymore. He's abandoned me. And that's just the category that we find ourselves in, in this psalm of discouragement, psalm of depression. And so the the writer is uh, only known to us as one of the sons of Korah, a descendant of Korah. Now, to get this uh, perspective in your mind, Korah was the leader of a rebellion at the time of Moses. All right. So the writer's descendant of a rebellious man, this uh, sons of Korah could look back and read in the Old Testament that Korah led a rebellion against Moses and God opened up the ground and the people fell through and God closed the ground up. All right. And that's not a good heritage. It's not a good lineage, right? But one of the things that I've taken a lot of encouragement from is that just like this guy can write about it and lead us now, even thousands of years later, into this, it's a reminder for me that our family of origin doesn't define us. It doesn't confine us. And if God is with you, it will refine us to the point of making us new. And, and so the sons of Korah are worship leaders for the nation of Israel at this time period. And this worship leader writes these beautiful words. As the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. I thirst for God, the living God. So this is the metaphor. This is the picture that he's painting for us. Is He feels like he's a deer dying of thirst. Now, as a young person, I read these words. I thought, as a deer pants for water, whatever. He's just kind of at this Thomas Kincaid picture where everything's green and there's a little house by the river and there's smoke coming from the chimney and the deer is just lapping up the water. That's not the picture the psalmist is describing for us. This deer is dying of thirst and he's out in the desert. He's out in the wilderness and he can't find the water. And so he's describing himself. I'm parched. I am empty. And I need to find something that will slake my thirst, right? But not only does he say something about himself in this, he also says something about his feeling about God. God has dried up in his life. God is a stream that's no longer flowing in his life. He feels like God has abandoned him. He no longer feels the presence of God in his life. Now, for those of you that are honest people, you've been a follower of Christ for more than a year, you know, you've experienced this, right? There are moments when you're in the height of all heights. And then there are the moments when you're the deepest valley and you're like, God, why have you abandoned me? God, why have you forsaken me? And if you can't get to that point in your Christian life, when you can cry out to God like that, then I don't think you have a mature faith. Talked to a gal last week, a Saturday night ago, and she was sharing with me the pain of her life that her dad died and feeling like God had taken her dad, ripped her dad from her. She was angry at God. And you know, my encouragement was just Scream at God. Just cuss him out. You know, just do it. It's okay. He's heard it before. There's nothing you can say to him that he hasn't already heard from people. Okay. Just cry out to God and pour all of your fear and frustration out to him. And you will discover that he is a father that will lovingly hold you in his arms through all of the temper tantrum that we experience. He's a God that knows what we're feeling inside. Why don't we express it? Why do we fake it and sugarcoat it? She came last night 
And she's had a different week this week because she's experiencing and expressing the pain and the frustration. So this guy is saying, God, I'm dying here and I don't see you and I don't feel you anymore. I thirst for God, the living God. Where can I go and stand before him? I used to stand in his presence. I used to feel him. I don't feel him anymore. Day and night, I have only tears for food. Which is a little interesting thing, you know, if you think about it from a medical perspective, the guy's not sleeping, okay? If you've ever been depressed, you know that there are seasons you don't sleep or you sleep all the time, right? Uh, Day and night, this guy is up, he's weeping, he's crying. I only have tears for food. He's probably not eating well, you know, if you think about it from a medical perspective. He's cycling down emotionally, he's out of control. This is what's going on. He says he has enemies while my enemies continually taunt me. Now, we don't like to think of enemies when it comes to Christianity these days. We, we have this false belief that Jesus came so that everybody would be nice. And if we're just all nice, everything will be okay. And the world is not nice and people are not nice, right? And Jesus didn't call us to be nice. Okay, he called us to be loving. But sometimes the world isn't nice to us. And we're shocked because I thought I prayed this prayer and received Jesus and I'm following God and sacrificing and giving everything. And I have people against me. Yeah, well, welcome to reality that we have enemies, right? Now, we don't like to think of it that way, but that's how the Bible writers think about it. People are pursuing me. People are against me. People are writing things about me. People are saying things about me. People are attacking me from every side. Biblically, they're enemies, right? Okay. Now, according to Jesus, we're supposed to pray for our enemies, right? We're not against them, even if they're against us. And this guy says, my enemies continually taunt me saying, where is this God of yours? Now, a couple thoughts. As I think about this psalmist, I think there are clues in his words about why he's in the position he's in. Because I think we've experienced this too. I know I have. First of all, he's in a situation where he's in a low. And because he's in a low, all he can think about, all he can write about is that God's abandoned him. Okay. We're like that at times. But the most important thing I realize, he's honest. He's honest about his spiritual discouragement, his spiritual dryness. And he goes, I am in a place where I do not feel God anymore. I hope you're honest with God and each other about how you're doing spiritually, really. Not putting on a, a church facade and coming and pretending to be okay, but all the while inside you're dying. Don't fake it, my friends. Find a community of friends you can be real with. He says here, day and night of only food, tears for food. He's not taking care of his body in this sense. Maybe things are going out of whack. I know that for me, when I'm in deep stress, I overeat and I don't sleep at night. And I'm awake all the time. And that forces me into this deeper, deeper spiral, right? He says here, he's got these enemies. He's surrounded by people that are taunting him. That's life for some of us, right? Maybe you work or maybe you go to school or maybe you live in an environment where there are a lot of opposition. Maybe part of that's your family. And there are people that mock your faith in God. And that's part of what is causing this guy to go into this moment. Look what he goes on to say. He says, my heart is breaking as I remember how it used to be. First of all, he's got this memory. When you think about these words, he used to have a great experience with God. He's not feeling it. We, we've all been there, right? We look back to a time in our life when things were so amazing with God. We came to Christ. We had this emotional moment. We went to camp. We had this high. Now we're not feeling anymore. He says, I I, I walked among the crowds of worshipers. He used to be in Jerusalem 
at the temple of God. We'll see later he's not there anymore. He used to be a part of the worship, leading a great procession of the house of God, singing for joy and giving thanks amid the sound of a great celebration. This guy used to be a worship leader at the temple of God, but he's not anymore. And he's in pain because he's not doing that ministry for God anymore. We don't know why he's out there. We don't know why he's so far away. Has he been cut off, rejected? We don't know, but he's not there. Is he on assignment somewhere? We don't know. But he's looking back saying, I used to have this experience and I'm not there anymore. That's an indicator of why you might be spiritually dry. If you spend more of your time looking at how it used to be and the glories of the past and you forget that God could show up today or in the future, right? He goes on, he says this, and I love this. This is the constant repetitive theme. Why are you so discouraged? You know, uh, some of the translations say downcast. It's not something we use in our terminology and vernacular, but I like it, downcast. I've been thrown down. My emotions are fallen down to a pit. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again. Uh, he, he just keeps talking to himself. Uh, anybody talk to yourself? Okay, all right. That's so, that, that can be really therapeutic. It can also be weird. I know that. Um, but, but he just talks to himself. He asks himself questions. What's going on? I will hope and praise in him. My Savior and my God. But now I'm deeply discouraged. But I will remember you even from distant Mount Hermon, the source of the Jordan from the land of Mount Mazar. So a little geography here. He's not in Jerusalem, which is in the southern part of the nation of Israel. He's in the very far north. In the mountainous area. So he is separated physically from his community of faith. I think that's an indicator for us of when we are separated from people, our our friends, uh, we're not connected emotionally, relationally, spiritually, we're not in a small group, we're not at our church anymore. When we're distanced from people, that can really increase our distance from God and push us out spiritually. When we withdraw from the community of faith, we don't feel it anymore. Because God has built a family for us, a church, to be in community with. And when we separate from that, we can go into despondency, into despair. Uh, a little bit more about this. The Jordan is the, the river and the, the, the feeder of that is this area called the Sea of Galilee. And that's in the north. And the north part of Israel is the Sea of Galilee. All these streams from these mountains flow into it. And then there's one stream or river that flows out of it called the Jordan. And the Jordan then flows down to the Dead Sea, the lowest part on the planet. He says, I used to be up there from the land of Mount Mazar. I hear the tumult of the raging seas as your waves and surging tides sweep over me. He switches metaphors. Now I'm drowning. Now I'm going down for the count. But each day the Lord pours his unfailing love upon me. And through each night I sing his songs, praying to God who gives gives me life. I like this guy. He's high and then he's low. And then he's high and then he's low and he's high and he's low. You know, 3000 years after this, we have medicine for that, right? You know what I mean? We can take pills that balance us out, but that still doesn't help our heart. That might keep us stable as some people define it, but we still have to express the highs and the low of our life. And he's not afraid to do that. He cries out. Look at these words. He says, "Um, oh God, my rock. Let's go to the next slide. Why have you forgotten me? Why, why are you so far from me? Why have you abandoned me? Why have you forsaken me? Why must I wander around in grief, oppressed by my enemies? 
I mean, he, he's got this emotional tragedy going on in his heart and his soul. And he's got enemies surrounding him. He's separated from the community of God. He used to be in a position of leadership over people and pouring into people. And now all that's gone. And, and that has only one conclusion. God's abandoned him. God has left him. Why? I look at what my enemies are doing. They're taunting me. And their taunts break my bones. See, if he lived today, he would know that sticks and stones may break our bones, but words will never hurt us, right? Now, that's a lie, my friends. These words hurt. They're painful. And in our day of media and social media, man, we have generations of young people growing up that don't know how to have a real conversation or a real conflict, and they're spewing things on the internet, and they don't realize how painful that is and how destructive that is, especially when it's anonymous. They scoff, where is this God of yours? Why am I discouraged? I I think he knows, right? He's been writing it out. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? But then back, I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my savior and my God. Every time he feels a low, he reminds himself of the truth and of the high. And he calls out to God. Look what he says here as this goes on. Declare me innocent, O God. No one seems to be defending me. I'm attacked and it's not fair. God, I need you to defend me. Defend me against these ungodly people. Rescue me from these unjust liars. Somebody's spreading a lot of slander about this guy. And all he can do is cry out to God. For you are my God, my only safe haven. That's a nice, that's a nice different metaphor right there of a ship coming into a harbor or a haven as the storms come around the island. Uh, but then, then again, he switches back to, why have you tossed me aside? It's like, this guy's seriously troubled, right? This guy needs a shrink. You know, why must I wander around in grief, oppressed by my enemies? Send out your light and your truth. Let them guide me. If anybody in the medical profession or in the mental profession were to read this, they would go, this guy has serious health issues. Or they would say, this guy's normal, right? Because we all do this. We all go up and down. We all feel forsaken and abandoned at time. You know, we wake up and we don't get a happy pill. We get a sad pill, right? And, and we just continue on in that. This guy's crying out. Look how he wraps it up. He says, let them lead me to your holy mountain, to the place where you live. There I will go to the altar of God, to God, the source of all my joy. I will praise you with my harp. So he was a a musician, a worship leader here. My God, why am I discouraged? There's this question again. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my savior and my God. Psalm 42 and 43, where this writer just expresses the emotions of the heart, which in this situation for him are not good. He's at the lowest of the low. Now, none of us want to be able to write a song like that. We don't. None of us want to be in that kind of situation where we could pen those words. None of us desire that. But sometimes that's the only place where we can discover the depths of our experience in relationship with God. Those who've gone through these kinds of times, through painful times, they could tell you that that is exactly where God showed up. Maybe you're here and you've, you're walking through cancer. I talked to a buddy at the first service. It's back again. Talking about a a friend last night, I found out he just, after the one year scan and he thought he was clear, he just found out for the fourth time 
the cancer's back. Maybe it's the death of a loved one. I greeted a gal as she came into the nine o'clock service and her mom passed away not more than a month ago. Maybe you have a broken relationship. Maybe you're separated from your family. Maybe you feel like everybody's against you. Maybe you even feel like God has abandoned you. My friend, these are true words for us. These are, this is the language of the heart. This is the reality. And you are in a place that you don't want to be in, but it's in that very place where God shows up. Even if you don't feel it, he is there. My family and I are reading a little devotional book at dinner this year called The Songs of Jesus, written by Tim and Kathy Keller. He's a pastor uh, in New York City and a great guy, love his stuff. And it's called The Songs of Jesus. And as we go through the Psalms in the course of a year, he makes some commentary and such. And this is from the 42 and 43 passage of Psalm. He says here, uh, the psalmist made God his stronghold, a safe shelter. Now, look at this. When we put our trust in the living God, we know that nothing can come into that stronghold without God's permission, limitation, and purpose. And if you find yourself today in the life of Psalm 42, 43, the words of Psalm 42, 43, or the motions of that, you know what? That is the very place where you will discover that God is true and God is real. And you will find God in the midst of the darkness. The ancient used to, ancients used to call this time, you know, this, this dark night of the soul. And that there is a way to celebrate God in the darkness when you don't feel him anymore. A couple of thoughts I felt and I wrote down as I was thinking through the psalm by way of review. Uh, questions, you know, and cures in this spiritual depression. First of all, the cure. He poured out his soul. He just poured out his soul to God. He wrote it out. Um, I, I'm not a journaler. I, I don't, I'm not like that. I'm not that kind of an artist. But he just poured it out. He poured out his soul to God. He talked to yourself. This guy talked to himself. He had to talk himself into the truth. All right. It's not a bad thing. He had to keep speaking the truth. For me, it's the scriptures that that morning kept coming back to me. Ask yourself questions. I like this. Now, if you answer your own questions, that might be a problem. Uh, no, ask yourself questions. Why am I feeling this? What's going on? Why am I in such despondency? Why am I depressed? Uh, meditate on who God is. He had to come, kept coming back to God. He kept coming back to the truth, the foundation that God is an awesome, loving God because he meditated on what God had already done for him. He went back to his journal. He said, look, God's already shown up. I'm not going to forget that God has shown up. So he will show up. These are some cures for spiritual depression. I mean, obviously, there might be some medical or some professional cures as well. But from like the normal course of life, when you're up and you're down, Psalms like this can teach us so much about where we are. But I had some questions I wrote down as I was thinking about this, about why we go into these moments of despair and despondency and depression. Is it a season? You know, if, if you're uh, into farming or into some kind of agriculture or into your, you know, your raised garden beds or whatever it might be in your community garden, you know that it takes seasons to produce the fruit that you want. You don't just plant something and the next day it's there, right? Uh, there are times when you have hard earth and the only thing you can do is break up the hard ground and it is so dry that your job is to till the soil. You're not going to see any fruit at that season. But the work is going to eventually produce something. 
and you're going to plant it and you're going to eventually care for it and you're going to harvest it. Maybe you're going through a season. Um, I, I know for my life, I've gone through two deep seasons of discouragement. A number of years ago, uh, when I made the transition from Boise to here, I was in a deep season. It was about three months where I was completely laid bare before God. I felt, you know, just this nothingness, actually. I didn't even feel. And, and the irony of all that is that I was reading through the Bible that year and I was in the book of Job. And I'm like, thanks, God. That's funny. Ha ha. You know, but I got through that and I got through that season. A couple of years ago, um, I went through a season of depression and I was, everything was, you know, kind of working right, but I wasn't feeling anymore. I wasn't experiencing God. I wasn't experiencing anything anymore. In fact, I remember telling my wife, I don't, I don't even, I can't even taste food, which is rare for me if you know me, because food is my struggle, right? I love food. And I would eat and it was just bland. It's like nothing. And I was going through this deep depression and it was darkness all around me. And I was entering into that tunnel and I've been there before. And, and you know what? It was a pastor friend from another church, just a great guy who I sat with and he asked me how it was going and I poured my heart out and he walked me through some steps. He said, here's where you're not taking care of yourself. Here's where you're pouring yourself out so much that you are in compassion fatigue. You got to stop doing all that you're doing. You got to start taking care of yourself. You have to build some rather regular rhythms into your life. You're going to die. You're going to crash. Or you're going to be the kind of pastor that goes off the deep end just to save himself from the place he is. You're going to do something really foolish just to get out of your situation. Don't do that. And it took a long time to get back. Some of it was the fact that it was the wintertime. And this is Oregon. Thank you very much. Okay. Is it a sin? It could be a sin. When I was in college, what? My junior year, man, I'm telling you, I was pursuing my flesh and a girl um, more than God. And I went through a long season where I foolishly ran in a direction that hurt me and her. And it was a sin. And I was the driest that I had been at that point. And yet God was so good to come and pierce my heart with my sin. And I confessed it. You know, if you have unconfessed sin, if you have repeated patterns of sin, you can end up in this spiritual discouragement. Selfishness, maybe all you have is you're thinking about yourself. All you're doing is focusing on your own things. Maybe it's stubbornness. As a pastor, I counsel a lot of men in this normal scenario. It's like, hey, I don't feel God anymore. I go, well, let me ask you, how's your Bible reading? I don't do that anymore. How's your prayer? Don't do that anymore. How's your small group? Stop going to that. I'm like, yeah, I kind of have a cure right there, you know? (laughs) Why don't you just do what you're supposed to do, right? Be a man, man up. Um, Is it God's spirit? I'm going to close with this thought, and this is a dangerous thought for some of us. What if God leads you to the desert? And your theology might be, well, my God would never do that. Well, I would urge you to adopt the theology of the God of the Bible (laughs) because he did that to people. He led the children of Israel through the desert, the wandering. He led prophets out into places of despair. He led his son, Jesus, out to the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. God could say the best thing for you, my son or my daughter, is I will lead you out to a season where you no longer feel me and then I will reveal myself to you. Don't run from that. Don't hide from that. If you think about it, the beauty of all this picture 
is that we have a Jesus. We have a Savior. We have a Messiah, Christ, who has gone through everything we've experienced. In fact, if you think God doesn't know what I'm going through because all my friends have left me. Wait a second. I think Jesus was abandoned by all his friends. One denied him. Right? One turned him over and betrayed him. Yeah, Jesus knows. But you don't know what I'm feeling because I think God has abandoned me and left me. You know, didn't Jesus say on the cross from the words of Psalm 22, which echoes this, God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus knows what it feels like to be forsaken by God. I no longer feel God anymore. I feel like he's absent from me. Theologically, Bible says that when Father God poured your sins and my sins on Jesus, his son, that there was a separation For the first time in all eternity between the father and the son as sin was poured upon our savior. You go, but you don't understand. There's just darkness that's just all around me. The Bible says that when all that sin was poured upon Jesus for three hours, the sky grew dark. And there was nothing bright about that moment. I guarantee you, whatever you're going through, you have a Jesus who has walked through it and who's made it through it. He made it through death. And if he can make it through death and rise again and now speak words to us, we have a Jesus who knows everything we're going through. Now, it's not going to get better in one prayer. It, It might be the tail end of a season. It might be the middle of a season. I don't know. But you have family and friends all around you in this room who love you and care for you. You may not even be connected. This could be your very first time at sunrise. But we are all part of that family. And if you walk out the door and just kind of go off on your own, you're not going to get better. But if you call out to people around you, if you cry out and say, I need God to show up in my life and I just don't feel anymore, you're in the best place possible. You're in the church. Would you pray with me? Father God, as we think about the words of Psalm 42, 43 and the depression and the despondency, man, we don't want that. We want the easy, follow Jesus, life is great Christianity, but that's so fake. What's real is the life that we live before you and amongst your people has ups and downs. It has sideways. It has times we fall off the precipice. It has times we are just crying out in despair. But that's the truth of our humanity. We live in a sinful world. We live in a broken world. Our bodies are sinful, are broken. We live in a humanity. We are crying out for ultimate salvation from you, God. And I pray, Father, that we would be honest this morning and cry out because you know exactly what we're going through. And you, above all, are close to the brokenhearted. And you are close to those in despair. Whether we feel it or not, you are right where we are. Cause us to draw close to you in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.